As a professional working in the travel industry and as a traveler, one of the things I've been thinking a lot is traveling better and traveling in a sustainable way. When you hear the word sustainable travel, what does it mean to you? Does it mean being conscious about the environment and planet? Does it mean traveling slowly and helping mitigate the problem of over tourism? Does it mean supporting local tourism in a way that they can run a business for a longer period of time? JJ Walsh describes sustainable travel as seeking a better balance between people, planet, and profits. When I first heard her definition, I thought it's so true. It's a simple expression that tells the important elements of sustainable travel. JJ Walsh is a professional I really respect. Based in Hiroshima, she has been living and traveling in Japan for almost 30 years. She is an inbound travel business consultant, guide trainer, and the founder and the host of the Seek Sustainable Japan talk show. And the focus for her businesses is sustainable travel in Japan. So today, I'd like to invite her to the show and discuss what sustainable travel really means, how to travel better and sustainably in Japan, reasons why Japan is a perfect destination for sustainable travelers, and how to find a good local guide. If you want to hear all these travel tips and insight, definitely stick around to the end. You are listening to Japan Experts, the podcast that helps you make your trip to Japan a truly unique and immersive experience. I'm your host, Miyuki Seguchi. I moved overseas to study at age of 18. Since then, I've gained immersive travel experiences in a few dozen countries and realized Japan is a country I should be proud of. And so I learned all things about Japan and became a licensed guide. Now, I'm here to help travelers like you to plan and prepare for a trip to Japan. Whether you are traveling solo or you don't speak Japanese, I've got you covered. All you need is a bit of courage to immerse yourself in Japan. I'll give you all the knowledge you need to plan your trip, travel confidently and interact with Japanese people so that you are totally excited and encouraged to make a trip to Japan. So I started the interview by asking her stories about life and travel experiences. So I originally, I grew up in Hawaii. And I think uh, growing up in Hawaii kind of helped me understand a bit more about tourism industry and about the needs to balance that local people versus the appeal to the international visitor or the inbound visitor. And um, so I, I grew up in Hawaii and saw that part of tourism, but also helped me really love nature. I love the beach. I love being next to the ocean. And I think that's all thanks to growing up in Hawaii. I also really uh, learned a lot about indigenous culture growing up in Hawaii and not only Hawaiian culture, but also Japanese culture. So in my elementary school, we would learn Obon Odori, and I learned how to do the dances, and we would have Obon festivals, and we had a lot of Japanese food. So I think in that way, growing up in Hawaii also helped prime me 
for living very comfortably and happily in Japan for many years. I went to university in California, studied psychology, and I was living uh, just outside of LA. And while I was studying psychology, I did a lot of volunteering um, and interning um, for my psychology degree. It was connected. I worked with the AIDS Quilt Project, and it was the first time to interact and work with people who were very different from myself. I worked with a lot of uh, gay men, and they taught me a lot about the world from their point of view, which I never would have uh, learned or been able to appreciate otherwise. I also started suffering from air pollution in L.A., so that made me more aware of the choices we're making as society and things like air pollution and how that affects uh, people, local people, as well as the environment. I was also, as part of my uh, psychology study, I was working as a volunteer uh, with uh, something called hospice. So it was quite heavy. I was working with people who had only six months to live and I was trying in some way to support the family to make sure they had everything they needed. And I think it was really heavy, but it was a very important insight into what really matters in life and trying to engage with people, even in very difficult situations. And then I came uh, after university to work in Japan, and my first job was as a JET teacher. So assistant language teacher, I was working in Oita in Kyushu, and it really opened my eyes to new possibilities because I was already planning on going back and continuing studying psychology, becoming a counselor was my idea, um, but I was 21. My uh, whole career so far, my focus on career was all very serious and heavy. And as a 20-year-old, I really enjoyed being in Japan and traveling around Japan learning about Japanese culture on a deeper level from what I had learned uh, growing up in Hawaii and uh, really enjoying it and seeing a lot of diversity in different parts of Japan as well, which I think really informs uh, what I want to do now in uh, sustainable tourism and encouraging people to explore Japan and take their time because there's a lot more than they realize when they first visit. Uh, in the mid-90s, I spent two years with my now husband uh, traveling around Asia and Europe. And I think those travels, we spent a lot of time uh, in very rural areas around India and hiking in Nepal and around China and Vietnam and so many amazing countries and saw so much diverse culture and really spent a long time in each area and I think in this kind of traveling on a budget, but really spending time, really getting to know the local areas, not going to the big sites, um, also really informs how I want to encourage people to travel more sustainably, even though I didn't really think of it as sustainable travel then, what we were doing was very uh, focused on sustainable tourism. And, and then I came back to Japan. We uh, used all of our money, <laughs> uh, savings from uh, working as jets. So we needed a job for a little while. We found a job in Hiroshima 
And when we had traveled around Japan, uh, we had such a great impression of Hiroshima and Hiroshima people. And uh, so a job opened up at a junior college and I came back in 96. And then my now husband, my partner and I, uh, we got good jobs here and we were both working at the university system, uh, teaching English, but not not just communication. We were both uh, teaching different subjects. I was teaching business. I was teaching uh, tourism studies and helping students prepare for international study abroad programs and setting up those programs for them in Hawaii, in Canada, in Australia, in many countries. So I felt like uh, the la the end of my career at university, I was actually working in the tourism department. So I really felt like my career has always kind of been, and my life, always kind of been connected to travel. And toward the end of my uh, university career as well, I was doing a lot of research on sustainable tourism in Japan and uh, working with my students to help them appreciate how to uh, be a better traveler that's more thoughtful and looking for more meaningful experiences, as well as how we can, on the host side, create better destinations and better businesses, which provide more sustainable travel opportunities. And so in 2019, when I started my own business, I called it Inbound Ambassador because I really wanted to create a consulting and training business, which helped the both sides, helped create appeal for the inbound visitor, but also helped the local businesses and the destinations to create appeal, but also protect the value of life for local people. And use tourism to help preserve culture and preserve traditions and use tourism income to support the environment and local uh, communities. So uh, since 2019 and then uh, COVID happened in 2020. So instead of doing in-person training, I went online doing teaching online courses in sustainable tourism. Uh, teaching people who are interested in becoming guides, how to be a good guide, good communicator, how to tell good stories. Um, but also I started reaching out to interesting people around Japan and doing this interview series called Seek Sustainable Japan, which Miyuki-san has been a part of. And uh, getting experts who are living across Japan who are in some way connected to sustainability. Either they are preserving traditional culture in Japan, or they are working as an activist for the environment, or they're an author or a researcher. Um, there are so many different kinds of people that I've talked to, but I find that in every interview, in every subject with every person, there's always connections to sustainability that we can talk about. And hopefully uh, the listeners or the people who watch the show can get some new insights and be inspired for how maybe they could make their business or life or travel a little bit better by making it less damaging to the environment or supporting the local communities or making sure they travel more slowly so there's more benefit economically for the local 
communities as well. I love your stories. <laughs> like I love <laughs> that was that was a very long answer about my background. I hope that was okay. Like everything you said were like fantastic. Like I really, really love the every aspect of your story. We don't really often have an opportunity to talk about this, like explicitly. But like I really like you mentioned that like you met a gay man and you had some sort of interaction, like and sort of the, some impact from your experiences. Because I also had similar experiences where I first moved to the UK, and also I happened to like when I traveled to like New Caledonia, I happened to be in a situation where like I met a gay man's honeymoon as they were taking a honeymoon there and it was like my first experience to be to to see like and to experience this kind of like events so like it was um yes it was a very like enlightening experience for me yeah. as well so and I, I think very similar to traveling and meeting people who are very different from yourself it teaches you about yourself and how you want to live your life too, right? Like I, I, it was the first time I met so many openly gay, proud to be gay people. And it taught me so much about myself and why am I so worried about uh, being my true self or why am I so uncomfortable trying to be unique and be original and do what I want to do and lead with my heart? And they, they encouraged me so much, you know, and it was so wonderful um, to get their, their confidence. You know, they, they were, of course, they had their own struggles, but they were very confident in who they were. And I think that that really inspired me in many ways. Yeah. And you also mentioned you're based in Hiroshima and you had a great impression about Hiroshima, right? I also encourage, because like, I feel one of the unique characteristics of Japan is a diversity and regionality. And I know you have traveled to many different parts of Japan as well as the world. So like compared to other parts of the Japan, what, what's your impression about Hiroshima? Like how do you think, like how unique the Hiroshima is in terms of the local culture and local people? Like could you share a little yeah. bit about your thoughts? Of course, of course. I... I'm so disappointed, but I understand it when people just come to Hiroshima and the only things they see and experience are the Peace Park and Miyajima. Those are our two UNESCO World Heritage most famous sites. That's true. But there's so much more. And so if I, you know, the reason we wanted to come back is because we spent time here as travelers. We traveled around the city. We went to different towns. And so we knew there was a lot more that we wanted to explore. And that's why we wanted to come back and live here. And so I would encourage visitors to stay in Hiroshima for a week, at least, because there's really interesting areas that you would want to go stay and really experience. We have the famous port town of Onomichi, Mm -hmm. where a lot of people who love cycling will go. But there's a wonderful shopping street. They've got great craft breweries there. A lot of people I've interviewed are are connected in some way to Onomichi. There's a great thriving like artist entrepreneur vibe there. And they're really trying to, like many small rural areas around Japan, they're doing really well to revive 
a community that's decreasing in population. Um, there's another area of Mitarai, a really old port town. It was really popular in the Edo period in the 1600s to 1800s in Japan. Um, it's really hard to get to, but it is such a charming port town. And there are, again, entrepreneurs there who are really working hard to revive it. And there's beautiful cycling around the area. They have preserved the old beautiful tea houses and old merchant houses there. Uh, there's a retro toy museum, which I love seeing old Japanese toys from 50 years ago. So there's there's all these unexpected gems in all of these pockets of areas around Hiroshima. It's such a big place. And so I understand why people just come and see Peace Park and Miyajima, but I really want to encourage people to stay longer and uh, go stay in different parts of Hiroshima and really experience the diverse experiences available. It's not just about thinking about what happened in the city center or the Miyajima heritage. Both of those spots are, are kind of suffering from over-tourism as well, like many parts of Japan, because they're so popular. Um, but you could easily come to Hiroshima and not go to those places and have a wonderful time. Um, so that, that, you know, one of the questions you were asking is how to do sustainable travel, right? And I think on the user, on the traveler's side, as well as on the host side, um, there are different, different things to keep in mind. Um, but definitely taking time. I would say as you're traveling around Japan as a traveler, try to book at least two nights, if not three nights at each place. Uh, some people ask me, oh, it seems easier to book a place in Osaka. Maybe we'll just stay there and use the rail pass and go around Japan. I know a lot of people do that. But if you're going to very busy places, for example, Miyajima or Peace Park, if you're staying in Hiroshima, you can get out or staying on Miyajima, you can get out before all of the crowds get out and you can really experience the place's magic, right? If you're staying in another city, you're going to spend that magic time on the trains, traveling with all the other people. And you're only going to be able to experience the special places when they're at their most busy. So if possible, as a traveler, really try to get places as early as possible. Even if you're not a morning person, it is so worth getting there when it opens. So if you're in Kyoto, Kiyomizudera, the most famous temple, they open at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. Get there and be there right when they open, especially if it's on the weekend or on a holiday. Uh, same for Miyajima, the floating Itsukushima Shrine opens at 6 a.m., 6.30. So get there when it opens and really experience that magic. Definitely avoid any popular place between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. So if you really can't get there when it opens, just try to get there as early as you can or get there late after 3 p.m. It's just not worth it as a traveler and it's not not nice for the businesses or the other people in the area as well if everybody just goes at that same time. As a visitor, if you go somewhere that's crowded, usually it's only one or two main streets 
So use your Google map, try to find a back route. Uh, I love the back streets. I always, as a guide, I take people on the back streets. They love it better than the main streets quite often. Um, that's something you can do as a traveler. I could go on. How much more time do you have? <laughs> okay, I have a lot of questions. Yes, yes. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Do you think Japan is a great destination for people who try to travel sustainably? I think so, because I I think there is already embedded a value by local people and the government and local communities for preserving traditions and culture. And that that is a big step in the right direction. Um, so if visitors come in and they have an interest in going uh, to see a local craftsperson, to buy local products, uh, to eat at local eateries, that is already kind of primed in Japan because Japanese people have value these things, right? And I'm not sure how many other countries in the world you have most of the people who value uh, local crafts, local culture, local traditions on the same level as a lot of Japanese people do. So I think as a sustainable traveler, it's easier to find these options if you look for them because there is already kind of a movement to preserve them. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't always happen, right? And sometimes... Uh, local tradespeople or local crafts do die out because there's no demand. But I think in this way, this is how tourism can really help, right? If you go to an area and they're famous for teapots, you're more likely to have international travelers who want to go see that workshop, which brings revenue to them because they pay to see the workshop. Um, they might be interested in buying that really high quality teapot where maybe there's not a big demand uh, in the Japanese customers right now, right? So that supports them to keep going, to continue this valuable trade. Um, there's also another reason I would say Japan is really good for sustainable travel is it's a safe and stable place to travel. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that we have a very safe infrastructure, right? Um, so there's very orderly, but also a very safe society. And everything is very, like the infrastructure, the transportation is all very orderly and timely. Um, people, I sometimes see people traveling in Japan, they have their backpacks in the front. And I'm like, okay, they haven't been in Japan long because Japan compared to many other countries is so safe. Like you still see so many people leaving their bags, going to the toilet, coming back. Nobody messed with it. There's just the a different level of safety. And I think if you're looking for sustainable travel, safety is really important. Uh, there's also stable government. There's also a good judicial system. Uh, if something bad happens to you, the police are going to help you work it out, right? Very easily. Um, so I think there's a lot of countries where people worry about safety, uh, worry about stability of the government, and they don't have to worry about that when they come to Japan. Definitely, definitely. So 
do you think um there are some topics that the travelers should pay more attention to in the in regards to the sustainability in Japan? Sure, sure. Um, I would say uh some I've got five tips. If you want to uh, be a sustainable traveler in Japan, here's the five tips. Uh, get a local guide when you arrive somewhere. So you've already booked your stay for three nights uh, at a certain place. On your first day, when you arrive, if possible, get a local guide for the half day that's going to just give you an orientation to that place. They're going to give you some great stories, some great insights. But the local guide is also going to connect you to good local businesses that you're going to want to to visit. Uh, a lot of uh, information online, like everybody says, oh, why do I need a guide? There's so much information online. Yeah, there's too much information online. And a lot of the information online is not very good. Um, it's written with uh, kind of not very honest to do it. I don't want to say that, but. Um, it's it's got a, a slant. The reason it was written was to promote a product or service or company, right? Or it was a, a famous influencer who was hired by a company or a service, right? So it's not going to be the best local insights that you're going to get from a local guide, right? So I think local guides are are really important if you want to be a sustainable traveler and if you want to have a great experience. It's really important. Even looking online sometimes, like even Google Maps, it's really hard to orient yourself around a new area. Like it's really hard to know where are the best back streets. <laughs> Where's somewhere that I can relax in the park and have a nice view, right? The local guides are going to know that more than anybody else. Uh, number two, uh, read the room, read the air. Uh, for example, if you're in a very sacred, important place and everybody else is being quiet and uh, praying at an altar, you're going to want to hang back and try to model and mimic what they're doing, right? And be respectful in that way. Um, some of the more famous places I've been to recently, even in Hiroshima, uh, we have the beautiful Peace Park and people walk through on guided tours all the time. I've been really disappointed by seeing domestic and international tour guides who are talking right in front of the cenotaph. And that's somewhere that local people come and bring flowers and pray and put incense that is supposed to be a very sacred, quiet place. That is not a place for talking, right? And so for guides, I'm very disappointed to see that. Uh, for visitors, you should be able to look around and, and realize, oh, this place is quiet. Okay, we should be quiet. Um, also, I said before, avoiding crowded streets. So number three, uh, usually there's another street, just one street over which is much less busy and it goes to the same place. So always explore the back streets. It's quite easy on Google Maps to see where you are and to see if there's a parallel street or another way to go somewhere. So definitely avoid crowds, avoid crowded streets. 
and take a backstreet route and you'll find gems that nobody else is finding, which is another part of the travel magic. Um, and then number four, as I said before, go as early as possible, if possible, when places open or go after three, but really avoid that 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. time whenever possible. Um, also to stay nearby places which you know will be busy. Um, so for example, if you want to have the magic on Miyajima, you really have to stay on Miyajima because you have to uh, go to the most famous site when it opens at 6.30, but you can't take a ferry over until 6.30. So only people who are staying there can get that early magic, right? It uh, might be more expensive, but it'll be worth it. You'll be happy that you did. Um, and then number five, um, as you're booking, uh, try to ask for sustainable possibilities. Uh, try to say you don't want single-use plastics in your room, for example, when you're booking hotels. Um, when you're in a restaurant, ask for vegan vegetarian options, which are more sustainable. Ask for local fish instead of eating tuna or the big fish that they go far away to catch. And there's a lot of problems with sustainability for the big fish um, on many levels. So ask for local fish, uh, local products whenever possible. Yes, yes, definitely. You've mentioned um, the local guides. I also um, believe the great value of local guides, but I know there are the, some challenges in the system. I, I'm sure that's why you are helping educate um, the local guides. Uh, could you share a little bit about your thoughts about the, the lo local guide system in Japan? Yeah, it's it's difficult. And it's um, there are big agencies that hire local guides, but um, in a lot of cases, I'm told by good local guides that they're not paid well or they're kind of encouraged to be volunteers. No, no, no. We want good local guides who are good at their job to get paid so they can do it longer and be more sustainable. It's not sustainable if they have to do everything for free. How are they going to buy food? How are they going to support their family, right? Um, so I, I'm really frustrated by that when I I hear from really good, great communicator, local guides who are told that if they guide international people, they are forced or pressured or encouraged uh, to do it for free because that's not right. And it should be a profession because we are professionals and we're doing a good job, right? Um, but one of the other hurdles I think is, I think like Miyuki-san, you did the official certification. And I am so glad that they have a certification system, but I know there's a lot of guides out there who are great guides, great communicators who don't have the certification. Um, so that's why you want to get local recommendations for good guides, because they will create a good uh, reputation amongst local people or amongst other travelers who had a great experience. Um, sometimes certified guides, to be honest, are a little bit, too stuffy or too formal. Um, they're not good communicators. It's a different level. It's like when you go to the doctor's office, uh, having the doctor telling you what the medicine is, what the thing is wrong. That's 
fine. It's top down, right? But visitors to Japan, they don't want that kind of experience when they're traveling. They don't want someone to just tell them all the expert information and have no back and forth. They want to communicate. They want to ask questions. They want to tell them what they think about this famous art or this famous Japanese place, right? Even if it's not an expert opinion, the traveler wants to communicate about their ideas, right? Um, so I have met um, a few certified guides who couldn't, couldn't stoop down to the level of engaging on an interpersonal level. But there's a lot of wonderful guides all over Japan who do that really well and love engaging with the international visitors. And usually the great guides are the ones who love traveling themselves and who have traveled themselves outside of Japan or around Japan, right? Those are the guides who really know how to talk to people and engage and uh, tell great stories. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your insights. They're great stories. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. So where can people find you? Okay. Um, I feel like I'm everywhere. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram if you search Inbound Ambassador, which is the name of my business. On YouTube, if you search JJ Walsh Japan, you'll find me or the name of my interview series is Seek Sustainable Japan. So if you search Seek Sustainable Japan, I'm the top of the list on YouTube. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, but who knows if Twitter is going to survive. Um, but JJ Walsh or Inbound Ambassador, you can also do a Google search and you'll find me. I also do virtual tours uh, just to keep practicing the tours, even without so many inbound tourists right now. Um, so I'm on Heigo, Joy in Japan, or JJ Walsh. And you can join one of my virtual tours, even if you're not in Japan yet. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing the details. Of course. And thank you so much, Miyuki, for having me on your podcast and letting me connect and engage with your wonderful listeners. So what did you think? If you'd like to travel better and travel in a sustainable way, we are here to help. I host a private Facebook group, Japan Expats Community for Travelers. That's where you can meet and connect with more than 300 like-minded travelers, including locals and Japan specialists, to exchange your travel ideas and seek the support you need to create a better travel experience in Japan. To join the Japan Expats community, simply search for the Japan Expats community on Facebook and send a request to join the group. The direct link is also in the show notes if that's easier for you. That's it for today's episode. You're listening to the Japan Expats podcast, hosted by Miyuki Seguchi. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to message me on Instagram at japan.expats. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to having you again soon.